Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 21 through 23. What is the greatest example of obedience in the Bible, non-Jesus division? All right, if we're answering that question totally, what's a great example of obedience? We're we're probably going to go to the obedience shown by Jesus Christ. But if you look at everyone else in the Bible, what's the greatest example of obedience? And I would say if it's not the clear winner, it's at least one of the nominees for the award, is what we see today in Genesis 22 with Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac. And we all have heard that most likely. Maybe you're reading through the Bible for the first time and you're going to come across this story. That's great. But many of you, you will have heard this story. Maybe even if you haven't read the Bible before, you've still heard this story about Abraham going to sacrifice his son Isaac. And often it's held up as an amazing example of obedience, and it is. But one of the main questions I want to ask so we can be instructed by the example here is what motivated that obedience? How was Abraham able to obey in that way? Because I think if we understand how and why Abraham was able to obey, it'll help us to obey in a similar way. So let's dig into our passage today. We'll spend a bulk of our time on Genesis 22, but our passage begins in Genesis 21 with a moment that we should not just uh, gloss over. It begins in verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age and at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So there we see God being incredibly faithful. And hopefully you read this with some of the amazement that is proper because you've been reading the story leading up to this that you know that we have decades of this promise now. Uh, Abraham received this promise likely 25 years at least before it becomes fulfilled here. Uh, The promise of a son, the promise of offspring. But now God fulfills it. And even just look at some of the language he visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. It's an amazing text Uh, declaring the faithfulness of God. And then we do see Abraham responding uh, with obedience here. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. And then it it gives us some more explanation. Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac, his son, was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? You get a sense of the wonder and the amazement that we should have 
reading about the faithfulness of God. And if we think through our kind of then, always, now paradigm that we like to talk about, I mean, always from this is God is faithful. God does what he says. God does what he promises. That is always true about God. So we can worship God for that, and we can depend on that same level of faithfulness today. Now, the rest of chapter 21 is about um, basically Hagar and Ishmael getting thrown out of the house. Uh, You you see um, Ishmael here, he's laughing on the day that Isaac is weaned. And Sarah doesn't like this. Sarah doesn't like this other son in the house. Sarah wants them out. And God says to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman, whatever Sarah says to do to you, do as she tells you. For though I for through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So the rest of the chapter in this story of Hagar thinking that Ishmael is going to die and basically leaving him to die because she doesn't want to see him, we see God in a different way also show his faithfulness. God has made a promise to Hagar. And now he's reiterated that promise to Abraham. Ishmael is going to become a a nation. And even though Ishmael, in a sense, shouldn't have been there at all, it wasn't an act of faith on Abraham's part to conceive this child with Hagar. But God is still going to be faithful here because he has said that he will make Ishmael a great nation. So a lot of examples of the faithfulness of God, especially in his dealings with Sarah and then her son Isaac, but also through his dealings with Hagar and her son Ishmael. And then you see a sense of some of the difficulty that Abraham had in the land. Still, this promise of gaining the land, uh, it's not just coming along easily. It's not as if all of a sudden God is fulfilling all of his promise in a moment to Abraham. But then we get to chapter 22, where it says God tested Abraham and tells him to take his son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, this gets us to scratch our head. We have to rely on what the Bible says. It says that God did this to test. This was a test um, designed by God for Abraham. But then what you see is Abraham rises early in the morning. He saddles his donkey. He takes a couple servants with him and his son Isaac. He cuts the wood for the burnt offering and he goes. He obeys immediately. And he goes, and you know the story, he gets all the way to the point where he has the knife in his hand, and he has reached out his hand to slaughter his son. And that's when God stops him. And what I want to ask, like I said, is how does Abraham do this? How does he obey? And that's where I want us to think through that, because I think many of us, if you're a parent, you think through that, "Eh, I don't know if if I would do that. I don't know if I would do this to one of my children, even if God told me to. What enabled him to do that? And you see, I think, uh, what what enabled him to do this 
before and after. And I think it's confirmed with uh, something that Hebrews 11 says. Before we get to the actual moment of sacrifice, Isaac asks Abraham, um, where's the lamb? We got everything else, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide. And I don't think Abraham was just blowing smoke here. I don't think he was just trying to pull the wool over Isaac's eyes. There was some sense that Abraham believed God would provide. And even Abraham, uh, according to Hebrews 11, uh, believes that the worst case scenario is God provides through resurrection. He had such a confidence in the promises of God that it says in Hebrews 11, verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And then after um, God provides, Abraham calls the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So both before and after, there's a confidence that God will provide. And then after, there is really a thanksgiving that God did provide. And that's how this obedience works. And that's where Abraham has this confidence that God will provide, but it definitely wasn't clear in the moment how. And that's what we need to understand. It's easier for us to obey when it's clear that God will provide. It's harder for us to obey when it's unclear how God will provide. But we need to trust that when God has made a promise, he will do what he said and he will provide. And there's even a connection with this story that I think should strengthen uh, our confidence in God and his provision. Uh, Look at what the angel of the Lord says to Abraham after the fact. It says, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand of the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Or um, even before that, right as God stops him, it says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So the logic goes, God is saying, Abraham, you've proven because you would not withheld your son that you will do anything. Now, even when I say that, does that make you think of anything else? Does that make you think of anyone else? Is there another example in the Bible of a father who did not withhold his only son? Yes, that's right. God the Father, he did not withhold his son. And the Bible gives us that same logic that, well, if he's done that, he will do anything that that we need. He he will give us all things. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, talking about the Father here, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's a verse and a concept that should strengthen your faith that God will provide. Obedience will never be too costly because we believe that God will provide. Even those who 
their obedience costs them their life, as we've seen throughout church history with those that have been martyred for their faith. Even in that martyrdom, God provides. He provides the resurrection because he is the resurrection and the life. So we need to have that same level of confidence that God will provide. And it's only really if we have that, that we will have that same measure of obedience that Abraham had. Chapter 23 tells us about the death of Sarah and then the process of her burial. And and part of the significance of this chapter is this is the first piece of land that Abraham owns in this land that he has been promised. And there's some interesting things here. I think there's some cultural elements at play. I don't think this guy's actually really offering to give Abraham the land. I think that's part of just how negotiations worked in that culture, if you're looking at some of those details. But notice, this is the first piece of land in this nation, uh, this whole land that Abraham has been promised to be his possession and the possession of his descendants forever. This is the first piece of land he actually owns. And what is it? It's a tomb. So once again, we see God is going to keep his promises. He might not keep them on the timetable that we would think or that that we would maybe prefer, but God will keep his promises. So hopefully our reading today is a great reminder of the faithfulness of God, but I also hope today is a instructive day that helps us and motivates us in right and radical obedience to God. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.